Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Goldhill. And today's guest is an attorney because we need to know the legal issues that face our business. I've invited Mitch Beinhacker from New Jersey, just west of Staten Island, New York City, to talk to us about family business issues. You've heard of family law. Well, that's when you are getting divorced or married or a, pro, a prenup. And you've heard of business law, but and that's for doing transactions, setting up corporations. But a family business lawyer, which Mitch is, he occupies the space in between those two types of uh, counsel. And so, Mitch, welcome to the show. Um, Thanks, I know you've been doing this for a long time. Just a little more on your bio. You've been like me. You've been at this uh, uh, more than 25 years. And yeah. you are a sole practitioner and you handle a lot of things from business development, marketing, firm management, business transactional stuff. You've done commercial transactions, real estate work, risk yep. work. And we're going to really dive today into the issues that family businesses face. Sure. Because um, it's when they are least prepared that Always. gets them into the most problems. Yeah. Just to give you a little background, John, um, all of the stuff you mentioned that I do has generally, not always, but generally focused in a family business situation. So if it's a commercial transaction, if they're leasing space, they're buying a building, generally it's a family that I'm dealing with. And like you said, there's a lot of, you know, dynamics that go with thus the title of your podcast that go with dealing with a family. I have some of them going on right now and it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's what my book is about. I talk about, you know, unwinding the knot, uh, the unspoken words that exist between um, hey, I, just as a side note, I've been binge watching a pr- Paramount Pictures program called um, Yellowstone. Uh-huh, that's is, the Kevin Costner series, right? Exactly. And it yeah. takes place in, in Wyoming and it's um, Montana, rather, Bozeman, Montana. And it's sort of like Succession, which was... Uh, right, Succession is a good one, too. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's kind of like Sopranos in Montana. So, right. Uh, um, yeah. But, you know, it's the un- it's the unspoken things that go on between family members and right. you know, they talk openly in the show about changing the trust and who's going to be in the trust and who's out of the trust and the feelings that come up. And so um, a lot of what we're going to talk about are rooted in first getting clear on how do you feel about who's in your business and who you want to share it with. And and so one of the things that I'd like to share talk with you about is I've been using since 1991 uh, a document called Partnership Agreements issues mm-hmm. to consider. And it's a questionnaire that I give um, each of the owners or partners that asks them like, you know, what are you going to bring to the business and what do you expect from the other partner? And, you know, what will be the key responsibilities? And and that's basic business stuff. But then we get into some more like difficult things, which is, you know, so what if per- one person has to contribute more financially to it, to the business than the other? Or what right. if um one person has to put up their credit 
uh, to get a line of credit or a loan. And I'm sure, sure you've encountered this in, in business. And Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things that people ought to think about when they go into those situations, you know, so that sure. there's because there should be some kind of like a it's not a prenuptial, but it's it's the well, it's kind prenup- of a business prenuptial. I mean, yeah. you know, th- there's probably two docu- main documents that you're talking about. And when I start the discussion, you know, the families usually are like, oh, well, we know what we want and how, you know, they're questioning why is it so expensive because it's time and whatever. But usually when the discussion starts, things just get off the rails because they never even considered all the things that come up, why they have to consider the stuff. So you have you have two documents. You have an operating agreement. It's corporation bylaws, but you know it's an agreement that operates the business and rules and regulations under which you run the business. So if you're the president and he's the vice president and she's the treasurer, what's everybody's responsibility? That would address things like capital calls. Right. You know, what is if you can't put money into the business? If it's significant, it may be a larger issue. If it's not as significant, maybe capital accounts are just not equal, even though your voting may be equal. But those are issues that you definitely have to think about. And then the other part is a buy-sell. Let me just ask you about the operating agreement. So in the operating agreement, first, is this a legal document? Yeah, of course. Okay. Does it get filed somewhere? No. Contract. The only thing that gets filed are like property deeds and things like that. It doesn't get recorded anywhere. Okay. What gets recorded is the certificate of formation. Yes, forms the entity, whether it's an LLC or corporation, right? but the operating agreement in and of itself doesn't get recorded anywhere. And the operating agreement is good for whether it's an LLC or an S-corp? Yeah, I mean, generally with corporations, they're called bylaws, but it's the same thing. Okay, great. That's why I want to be clear, because some people are like, operating agreement, what's, you know? Right, and they don't realize they have a different, right, right. And and also another distinction is with corporations, there are certain... Uh, requirements that you have to follow by law, formalities yes. of running your corporation from a liability standpoint and things like that. So you don't become personally liable for things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An LLC, which is why it's become so popular, is a lot more flexible entity. It really is subject to the rules of the regulations that you set up, which is your operating agreement. There aren't any requirements for annual shareholder meetings and things like that, Right. short of fraud or commingling of funds and things like that. So I, I'm, I like LLCs, but that's why the difference between operating agreement and bylaws Okay. Uh, the differentiation. And most family businesses that I'm aware of usually are S corps, not LLCs. Right, because they're older family businesses. We may be dealing with the second or third generation, and LLCs just haven't been around that long. Gotcha. Okay, great. Yeah. Good clarification. Okay. Right. So the second thing that they need to have, the it's second buy sell agreement. Okay. Okay. Now, now an operating agreement will address things like, well, if someone dies, we deal with your your estate and you know, so forth. And it may even say who takes over, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't deal with how do you deal with the family of the partner that either that that wanted to leave the business. So a buy-sell agreement is going to generally address four major topics, right? It's going to address if you voluntarily want to leave the business, you come in one day and you tell your brother, listen, this pandemic thing's too much for me. I'm moving to Key West. I'm living in an RV. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Right. So that's the first issue. What happens? How do you leave the business? Do you get to leave with your value? It, we're not talking publicly traded stock. So you can't just go somewhere and sell your shares. Right. That even has its own restrictions, but certainly it's not li- liquid, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing would be involuntary transfer. You're getting sued. You're in the middle of a divorce. You're getting divorced and your spouse, your soon-to-be ex-spouse wants her what she considers to be her share of the business. Right. And she may be entitled to it, but that doesn't mean she's entitled to ownership in the business. Mm-hmm. She may be entitled to equivalent value of the business, but you want that in writing. Okay. We're going to come back to that point. Yeah, we can come how, back to that. How do we set then that up? there's death and disability. 
Okay. Right? So if you die, what happens? Do you have the right to buy out your your sister-in-law's uh, share because you don't want to be partners with her? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, disability, if, if, if your brother, sister, uncle, cousin, whatever, becomes disabled and is no longer able to work for the business, at what point do you guys have to say, okay, it's time to separate. It's time right. you can't provide value to this business anymore. We have to replace you. So we have to buy you out. So let's talk about the first two. I bet those are the most common of the four. The most common that occur, sure. Yeah, but I have plenty of death situations, not as many disability. Yes, not as many disability. But okay, so let's talk about the one where someone involuntarily wants to leave and he kind of wants to be bought out. Yeah. But, you know, doesn't it depend upon whether there's enough cash in the business to buy him out, whether the company can afford to? And and Maybe you may need to borrow money. It may get, it may give them a note and pay them out over time. Mm-hmm. Um, in New Jersey, I won't speak for every state, but in New Jersey, if you and I are partners, even if in family business, and we want to, you want to separate, and I don't want to. You're not a slave to the business. You can go to court and tell a judge, "I want to partition the business." The judge will slice the business down the middle. Right. Wow. Now that's not always easy. Right. But he'll partition the business and maybe sell assets if if they have to. How often does one family member get told by the other family member, well, you know, you got to just go pound some sand in Florida because there's nothing here. I can't pay you. And I will when I can. And we're not putting anything in writing. And he doesn't want to get his mom upset who's older and have a fight between his brother. But he's pissed because his brother won't pay him. He thinks his brother has all kinds of money because he's been running the business. Probably not true. Right. You know, business owners uh, live paycheck to paycheck like everyone else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it definitely causes discord. And that's why you have to have all these rules set up. If it's not completely ahead of time, it's, you know, now dad's older and I'm coming in as the president. You're coming in as the treasurer and the secretary, whatever it happens to be. We have to set the rules of voting of what your rights are and what my rights are. Because if the day comes where you do want to leave the business, that is a really bad time to be making up the rules. Right, right. But doesn't isn't that more common than not? Isn't that t- what to not make up the rules? Yeah, and because I yeah, probably ninety nine percent of the time they don't want right. to address it. We're family. That's not going to be a problem. Or and and you know what, Mitch? I don't want to sit here as your client and, sit and go through every possibility of what might happen and address it. Because I don't, I'll deal with it then. I don't know how I'm going to feel then. Right. You know, so and then it becomes a, you know, a bit of a sh- mess. Let's just yeah, right. yeah, I know what you're going to say. But yeah, I mean, look, there's two sides of it. One is you don't know what you want at this point. So you don't want to commit to anything. Mm-hmm. And the other part is you think everything's going to be fine. So why do we have to write that kind of stuff in writing? But ironically, right. that's probably you probably should put it in writing more often with the family situation than right. with the non-family situation because non-family situations you and your partner aren't doing business anymore and you know you recognize that you got to move on so you figure things out now i have plenty of situations right now where they can't settle who gets the website who owns the pictures who owns the social mm-hmm. media accounts you know this mm-hmm. that especially if it's a visual business like a florist or a, a bakery or something like that and recipes right. You know, right. web sites. I mean, all that kind of stuff is, is right. difficult. And those things have to really kind of be, you know, laid out um, if you're both splitting up as opposed to one leaving. One leaving, the guy just wants to get paid. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's somewhat easy if one is leaving and reopening in a new location somewhere else. Um, as long as it's not down the street. I've had families where 
the brothers break up. The dad right. used to have a business. Now they're both in the same business. Right. Right. And there's a lot of lawsuits going on. And they're like, what are you in my town? You're using the same name. Well, I have the same last name as you. And they've settled over the years, trademark disputes. Uh, yeah. Non-competes, you know, things like that. If your brother wants to leave and start his own business, maybe he shouldn't do it within 20 miles of where you're located. I don't know. And so would you put that into the operating agreement if you had I your try ideal to. client? Okay. I try to. Discuss you know. these types of things. I mean, it's my job, right, as a lawyer with 29 years experience right, to say, you need to think about these things, which is, like I said, why it always gets more involved than they think it's going to be. Because as soon as I bring these seven issues up, the other brother goes, yeah, I never really thought about that. Like, I don't know what I want or where Right. But they recognize that something needs to be done because their their good friend had a business with his family and it blew up. They don't talk to each other anymore. Right. I mean, I do have families that are selling a business, for example, and the siblings don't talk. Yeah. And we all have different lawyers and it's just a mess. I bet. You know, I bet. yeah. I mean, it'll, so, look, it so, saves money. It saves aggravation. Those yeah. are the two things because yeah. you really, these things become very emotional for a lot of people. All right. So let's talk about the, the prenup Sure. if you will, and how that plays into situation, you know, that second situation where there's a divorce. Here, a book I was just given, it's called Business Divorce. Can you see that? No, I can't see it. It's getting blocked by the yeah. screen. It's getting blocked by the virtual background. Yeah. It's called Business Divorce. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, so I, I have clients who have built considerable size businesses. They're they're making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. They're doing an excess of $10 million gross revenues. They're They've got a lot of perks coming through. They're yeah. getting ready maybe to get married. And, you know, what, what should I be telling him? Yeah. Like, you know, what are the things that, you know, and that, and that should probably already have been addressed in the, in the operating agreement. Probably, but let's, let's assume that it hasn't. So right. there, so it, so the operating agreement is the foundational structure of the, of the governance of the business, right? Right. Corporate governance. When we think of corporate governance, we're thinking of, you know, Exxon and IBM and Amazon and, you know, Jeff Bezos stepped down at the, as a CEO, right? You right. know, he's not leaving the business. He's the chairman now and he's not running the day-to-day type right. of stuff. We, but when small it comes businesses to, don't have any idea what corporate governance is. Right. So, exactly. So, so, this, yeah. so that it's very important for a family, especially, right. Mm-hmm. To set up a structure whereby not only do the parties participate in the process of running the business and maybe not day to day, but quarterly, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's communication from the top. So there's a lot of transparency because it avoids problems, but also what are the rules to govern the business and the operations of the business? What are the rules around board of board of executive board meetings? Mm -hmm. You know, what are um, rules around shareholder meetings? Because those may be different. Mm -hmm. How are officers elected and why are they, you know, how were they appointed to their particular positions? Is there a difference between C-suite executives and officers? Sometimes there is, like there's a president and CEO. A lot of right. times with small business, people are just making up titles, like I'm the president and CEO. What does that mean? Not much. Right. You know? right. But but let's get in. So let's, what is that best practice? What, you know, what would I advise the client? You know, you're getting married and you've got to protect your business. What what should be in place, ideally, best practice? Yeah, well, ideally, you, first the clients, the family, let's say, right, has mm-hmm. to figure out kind of who does what in the business. Okay. And a lot of it's done like off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're the president, you run the business, you come in, you sit in it, but you know, your brother does this and your sister does this and 
everybody kind of has a title, but they're kind of all over the place. There's projects overlapped and okay, so nobody define, really has reporting. You got to so define the, the roles. Accountability, I call it the accountability chart. And it's yeah, the roles absolutely. and the functions. You know, John's in charge of marketing. George is in charge of uh, um, accounting. And, uh, you know, and Ringo's the rainmaker. Right. And, and and that structure needs to be followed because I find in a lot of family businesses, especially where the brothers, let's, I'm just using the brothers as an example, but the children mm-hmm. have taken over the business, run the business now. The dad was running the business for years. He may have employees that have been there longer than the children. Mm-hmm. And when there's a problem, instead of, you know, this person going to you because they report to you, mm-hmm. they go around you to me. And then I go, listen, I'll talk to Jonathan. Just go ahead and do what you need to do. And that creates discord and problems. Okay, so we're we're going to work on roles and responsibilities and accountabilities right. and who does what. What Now what's next? What what are they? How do they protect so that in a divorce, the wife isn't suddenly or the spouse isn't suddenly saying, I want, you know, I'm coming in or I want a, a part or I want my money or, you know, how do they protect that? Yeah, so in so in a in a buy sell agreement, everyone signs a contract that binds their estate or binds their person. Mm-hmm. If there's a triggering event, like they want to leave or they die, right. that the spouse, the surviving spouse, can't come back and say, you know, show up to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm ready to run my division. Right. Or my husband was the president. Now I'm the president. And you're like, right. what are you talking about? Right. So you want an agreement that gives you the right to buy her shares at a set value, there'll be a valuation formula. That's another issue, right? Mm-hmm. You don't leave it to chance that you're all gonna argue over what the business is worth at that sure. time. Sure. So you have a value of the business and then, and it may be insured, maybe you have life insurance, something where the company has cash now to buy out the surviving spouse. And she doesn't have the choice <clears throat> of staying in the business. She right. gets cash, you know, and it cuts both ways. That's good for her because she's not relying on your success. Correct. And it's good for you because you're not, bothered with having to deal with her on a regular basis. So, so they need this second document, which is this buy-sell agreement. And they very, them, very often. And then would they, would each person, let's say there's uh, four family members, okay. would each family member have a key man or key person life insurance policy that they're paying in on? Would it, would it be Ideally, I mean, it okay. depends on the ages of everybody. If the, you know, if the senior two guys are 60 and the other and their cousins are in their forties, mm-hmm. the cost, uh, cost of it may be difficult, but ideally you would like that. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. You know, and you always put provisions to buy people out over time. If there isn't enough insurance or the policies lapsed or right. You know, whatever happens there, but yeah. So if you didn't have an insurance instrument, could you put something in the buy sell agreement that allows the, the surviving party to get purchased out over a 10 year period or yeah usually what you'll do is you'll put something in there that said okay you know the, the buyout will be completed up to the existence of any amount of insurance up front right and then any remainder balance would be paid out you know it depends on the industry the business the age of the business they may want to do it over 60 months they may want to do it over 120 months okay at some you know maybe the prime rate of interest is there collateral is there not collateral you know that type of thing so that's all stipulated in the Agreement. It's all laid out ahead of time. In the operating agreement or in the buy-sell? In the buy-sell agreement. Okay, gotcha. Right. There may even be a sample promissory note mm-hmm. attached to the agreement. So you just go to the agreement and just execute it. Okay, why would there be a promissory note attached to it? Because you can't pay them out up front. You got to pay them out over 10 years. If the I promissory see. note would lay out okay. interest and all that type of stuff. Okay, wow. Yeah. Lots to think about. 
And never too late to think about it, right, Mitch? It's never too late to think about it. It just becomes more difficult when you're in your 70s. You're probably not insuring the agreement. But I I do agreements for people all the time. I also update agreements all the time. You know, they sign these things. They get lost. They get misplaced. They get outdated. You know, you really should be reviewing your governance structure, your legal documents, I don't know, let's say every five years. And then if something happens, like someone dies or gets divorced or whatever, that's also another time to kind of review things. I mean, it's not fun. As entrepreneurs, we like to be creative and build the business and business drivers. But these are details that really, really make, they, 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 they lead to, you know, families breaking up and large financial expenses and, you know, children that don't talk to parents anymore or siblings. And these things shouldn't happen. So one of the things that I talk about in my book and that I talk to clients about is that every entrepreneur, family business owner should have a boat. And the boat is a business owner advisory team. That's good. And and that positions me in a selling context to say, I'm your business coach and I'm on the value creation side of your business. Right. But you need to have an accountant, an attorney and a wealth manager because the wealth manager is involved in maybe taking some chips off the table and compounding the value. You know, uh, so diversification. Right. The accountant and the attorney are about protecting and distributing that value. For sure. So, yeah. So super important. Do you, yeah, I'm a big uh, advocate of advisory boards. I like. Right. Them. So you recommend that people even early on. Have yeah, a couple of people, a mentor, you got to build an advisory board of outside people that are going to bring value to your business. And have them talking to each other as well. Correct. So that they're not all deal, dealt with separately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have quarterly meetings, even if it's on Zoom for people to get the board members, get to know each other. It's right. a good opportunity for them to network. It's right. a good opportunity for them to share ideas about your business. There are things that if you pick the right people that they have experienced that you can't, you'll spend a lifetime trying to learn. Yeah. You want to push that envelope, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, maybe you'll get off the dime when it comes to some of these things, because, you know, uh, my friend Jack, who's in his seventies and has gone ev- everywhere from, you know, McKinsey to starting up seven or eight companies to all kinds of things has more experience than I do. And now, okay, you don't listen to me, listen to Jack. Jack says, yeah, you, you need to do this. Okay. Then maybe you'll get off the dime and do it. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can share a story with protecting the uh, (laughs) confidentiality of a client. Um, And you could make up the story a little bit, but you know, what's a worst case type of scenario that you've seen and had to, you know, unwind or work through because, and I want this as a wake up call to people who are just, yeah, you know, I'll deal with that later type of, you know, attitude towards all this. Any, any stories come to mind? That um, really, uh... Stories definitely come to mind. I, I Luckily, I haven't had too many bad endings. You okay. know what I mean? They were things I got involved with and we cleaned them up or maybe the story's still to be finished. I don't yeah. know. But I, I do get in situations where um, things are a mess. Uh, you know, let's say uh, a father or mother passed away. And I was working with the um, senior executive, let's say one of the brothers, one of the siblings in helping them with business planning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, something comes up about, yeah, we really ought to do your wills. And the comment is, yeah, you know, we really ought to do that because my brother owns 50% of the business. I'm like, you have a brother, you know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then as you go through files, things get pulled out like a, 
an old judgment they used. They sold, your parents sold the business and these people defaulted and there's all these things going on. And it becomes a puzzle putting it back together. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of waste and a lot of loss and a lot of legal fees and a lot of trying to put things back together and kind of clean things up. Now you hope, I have had situations, unfortunately, where, you know, parents aren't well. Um, one has passed away and the other one has dementia and they can't execute any new documents. So therefore- yeah. The company's still in their name and it becomes very difficult and you can't do it until they die, which could lead to more costs of death, uh, taxes that need to be paid, things like that. Very difficult. Um, yeah. I've so. had situations where siblings don't talk to each other, even though they still own the business together. One runs the business and, you know, so so they, you know, the one wants, okay, well, we're going to sell and the other siblings are against that. They're like, well, you don't run the business. What are you talking about? Um, you know, and, and I've had, there's been a lot of, uh, heartache and breakup and loss because of that. Some of them ended up in court where they, the judge basically orders that things be sold and separated, wow. you know, Brutal. um, that yeah, I mean, hope most of the time people come around. I mean, they might've be too happy with the result completely. They think they just, they deserve more. Right. But at the end of the day, they, you know, they want to fight to live a, another day. And I try to. Like, you know, I told you, I don't litigate. I'm not a, so somebody else has to come in. I got to bring yeah. people in, but yeah. I am a negotiator. And I do know that my clients never win, nor do their siblings win suing each other. So I try to get them to, you know, use sound judgment and don't, you know, give away portions of your life that you will never get back because you're obstinate and upset. Maybe rightly so, you know what? I mean, just let it go. You know, there's, there's things you can't correct and maybe you'll, will talk someday. Maybe you won't, but look, I have friends that haven't talked to their families in 15 years and families don't even know they had kids, wow. you know, it, 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 it's terrible. And these aren't all people that I've worked for, but they're right. people that I do know. Hopefully not. Have family so, businesses. Yeah. It's, right, it's, let's, it's let's, let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, and uh, you deal with clients who probably come in and, feel as though one family member is contributing more value to the business than the other. Um, I sometimes I get people to come to me and say, listen, I've been running this business happened at least a half a dozen times. I've been running this business. My brother and I took it over. My sister and I took it over from my dad. Mm -hmm. We've been running the business. I'm the president of the company. My brother owns 50% of the business and basically does nothing. Right. And I said, well, what is your operating agreement says? Well, we don't have an operating agreement. He knows I'm okay. the president, but he's in time. So the brother's taking out 50% of the profits of the business and really isn't contributing anything. Right. And the other brother is upset about it. He wants to lay down the, the, the right. you know, that either you, you know, either you do half of the work or you give up a portion of ownership and profits and so forth. And right. when there's nothing in writing, yep. you don't have a lot of leverage. Not a lot of leverage, right? Nope comes kind of a sticky. No, situation. in one of those situations, what we did was we went back to the other siblings, more than one sibling, we went back to the other siblings and say, listen, uh, you know, John hired me to take a look at your governance structure and so forth. We're going to be putting agreements in place and structure so everybody knows what the rules are and how you, you know, run the company. We're going to get more formal. Your business is growing. Now you're doing 50 million in sales, not 500,000. Mm -hmm. And in that case, the most of the siblings went along with you know, okay, I understand. I don't work as much. So therefore this should be my responsibility. I don't want right. these. Like you would say, okay, fine. You owe 50% of the business. Here's what you got to do. And you give them a long list of stuff. And then the, the sibling goes, oh, I don't want to do all that stuff. Well, but you own 50% of the business. You have to do all that stuff. Okay. And they make adjustments. 
So what if you had a really, this is like a unicorn, I guess, a very proactive uh, set of um, business owners and leaders, and they wanted to address this uh, proactively. So in advance of anything like this happening. At the beginning? Yeah. So they want to address, you know, how do we address compensation? How do we address, uh, you know, equity? Right. Again, how do we address the fact that one person might be putting up their creditworthiness to buy, uh, let's say, a real estate building in the company's name? Right. Um, and, you know, or one person might have the down payment money. Uh, well, that's easier to deal with than the creditworthiness. Uh, right. So you know. what are some what what uh, what could you what could the proactive business owner put into place? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of creative things to do. I've been, I don't always come to situations where it's distressed. Right. Of course. You know, sometimes the two brothers say, listen, we love our families. We love, we put a friend of ours had a problem. We want to make sure this is all done properly. So I've, I've been, I've worked for um, a financial company, two brothers owned a financial company and it was growing and they had all kinds of different scenarios where, you know, because they, there's a book of business, there's revenue, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ongoing revenue in a business like that. So they were, they had all kinds of scenarios. What happens if it happens in five years? What happens in 10 years? What happens if our, our uh, assets under management were X or Y? And, you know, if we become disabled, it's this type of a thing. If it become, if we die, this, it was a very complicated agreement for me, but there was all kinds of scenarios that they wanted to address. Um, there's also, if you want to make sure that, you know, you don't run into these problems and you want it to be properly protected, you can, almost draft, well, it's my job, but almost create any kind of a structure, you know, that you want. You want it to be as flexible as it can be, but not to the point where you don't really know what the, you know, Mm -hmm. what the rules are. So Mm -hmm. the proactive um, business partners, let's call them, right? They're the ones that are good at, you know, their business planning. They probably use strategic planning methods they're probably pretty on top of things. And I, I've been brought things where people said, listen, our one partner's leaving, our other guy's coming in, here's our operating agreement. We need the operating agreement updated. We need you to execute with him, make it a note. He's got a lawyer and there's some arguing, but for the most part, it goes pretty smooth because they did, they were proactive and they did put those those uh, mechanisms in place to deal with those kind of issues. Right. But, come but, up. The, but it's, I'm, I'm sort of reading between the lines here. The, the, um, it really comes down to the reasonableness of the parties involved. If let's say, you know, there's Johnny and Jimmy and their, their brothers and their business partners and Jimmy is uh, wants to get into a related business. Um, let's say they're, they're wholesalers and yeah. one wants to get into manufacturing. Jimmy wants to get into the manufacturing that would supply um, and make his company be one of the, uh, you know, uh, customers. But yeah. the other one doesn't want to do that. Right. And it's going to take Jimmy, you know, 40 hours a week for the next three to six months or 20 well, hours. That's the problem, right? Yeah. And, um, and now those kind of things normally get addressed in an operating agreement. Are okay. you allowed to be in a competing business? You right. are as long as it doesn't take away from your duties and responsibilities of this business. Or you're allowed to be in other businesses as long as it doesn't compete with this business unless otherwise agreed to by the parties. That's That's definitely a... Uh, important area. Okay. Because, so, you, don't, you know, you, you think you're, you're putting all your time, you're slave to the business and things are going well, but you're only getting 50% of what's going on and you're, 
you, you, you know, your brother uh, Jerry is out starting other companies and spending all his time doing that. Well, what if he says, look, you know, it's not the time, it's the value that I bring to the business, right? I mean, I think about the business all the time because I'm all about business. I think about it on the weekends, evenings. I don't put a lot of time in, but the things that I think about and what I say and what happens as a result, my contribution is that much greater. And yeah, I know I have like I have three, you know, assistants that kind of support me and they execute or implement, you right. know, they integrate my ideas. But like I'm getting stuff done. I don't have to put a lot of time in. Right. I mean, you know, that look, the, at the end of the day, that's why you need governance. That's why you need job responsibilities. That's why, right. you know, if 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 Jerry is responsible for driving business and he's only in one day a week, but their revenue's going up and they're, mm-hmm. he's, he's bringing in opportunities all the time, right. that may be, you know, but the fact that he's thinking about it when he sleeps and sits on the toilet, it's probably less of a value to the company than he thinks it is. A lot of, there's always a big problem, and this is true with family situations and non-family situations, where partners overvalue themselves and undervalue other people. Definitely right. a common theme. Right. And you really need to be empathetic to your partner, to your sibling, to your relative in the business in return where he is empathetic to you. Because that's, if you, if you don't see each other's things through each other's eyes, you, you're never going to get anywhere. And so I imagine sometimes it's the lawyer's job. Sometimes it's the coach. Sometimes it's the accountant. Sometimes it's the insurance agent's job to sort of point these discrepancies out and try and bring the parties together to, um, to reasonably agree on how to go forward. Yeah, well, I, I think it's probably hopefully all four of them right. talking reason and sense into the parties that are involved, because if it's the operating agreement and establishing the business or corporate governance, probably me, it's right. the buy-sell agreement. It may be started by the insurance agent because he's he's trying to put insurance in place for the business. And he says, I need a copy of your buy-sell agreement. Or we don't have one, that type of thing. The CPA certainly should be intimately involved in their finances and know what's going on, who's getting paid what and so forth. Right. And the coach is probably the person who, you know, really gets them to to be reasonable about yeah. the processes and maybe even like you have traction on your shelf behind you, maybe even gets them into a strategic planning system that allows them to, you know, feel empowered and part of things. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of problems with family businesses come up just because out of neglect, right? They come I, in and the business is run and it's taken for granted and he's doing this and she's doing this. And next thing you know, he's not happy. Or, you know, he's sick and he can't operate in the business. So why am I doing all the work? Right. Thing? Right. And it's not it's not addressed. And it's not until guys like you and I get involved where we start asking the questions. Well, let me let's start by taking a look at your corporate governance and your agreements. Well, we don't have any agreements or we had an agreement. I can't find it. OK, we got to find your agreements to get that done. You know, are your wills coordinated with your business planning? Oh, we don't have any wills. So you said you had six kids. Yeah, we don't have any wills. So you got to start putting all these pieces in place. And as you're doing it, you know, it's like peeling an onion back mm-hmm. to figure out all the things that, you know, frankly, look, people walk around and they have, they're happy and they're making money and they're driving nice cars and they're getting money out of their business. They don't want to think about bad things that happen for the business. There's a lot of people that feel when it comes to what's the word uh, vibrational energy and yeah. the power of positive thinking. Yeah. If I think about bad things, bad things will happen. Right. No one wants to address their mortality. And right. correct. Know. But uh, but when you can face your mortality or you can face the fact that these other things do come up, then you can really, 
I think probably have a better chance at solving them because you're again, I think a lot of this has to be proactive. And I as a, sure. you know, you're referencing like a strategic uh, planning system like traction, which is the entrepreneurial operating system program. I mean, there ought to be a default agenda for corporate governance meetings that is an, a standard agenda that you'd come in that at least you know, surfaces these issues. Um, obviously, one of the issues, one of the default agenda items would be, you know, what are the issues? What are the hot topics that we need to discuss? Right. But, you know, I mean, there ought to be a check in on some of the other things. I don't know. You know, maybe there should be a check in on, uh, um, uh, you know, are there any conflicts of interest um, pending, yeah. past, present? Um, you know, are there any uh, lawsuits? Uh, pending, and this could be from employees. Uh, I've seen recently, uh, you know, a, a wage and hour dispute where uh, the employee went to a law firm that tried to create an entire class of all the employees based on the wage right. and hour. I'm, I'm sure you've seen. That's you know, a big payday. Big payday, right? And, you know, um, are there anything personally that's going on financially? Has anyone bought a house or encumbered themselves or you know, I mean, what's the status of our insurance policy? I mean, there should be some kind of a default agenda where we tick off some items on yeah. the, you know, uh, um, yes, it's current, it's up to date, it's, you know, it's been reviewed. And then let's get into hot topics or issues around conflicts. Maybe it's health issues, you know, maybe facing someone who's, you know, not feel, not, you know, is, is sick um, and the health is getting worse. Maybe they have cancer and, you know, like what's, what do we need to review? So right. Have you seen any of those types of things? Like a standard? Yeah, I mean, look, when, when, if if a company is actually following, uh, unfortunately, I don't, I don't find a lot of family businesses that have like shareholder meetings. Right. They should. Right. But they don't. Now, now, if you're the what was the one we were talking about? The Von Trapp family. Yes. The Trapp family lives have a hundred members, and they might. But yes. if it's just a small family business, they're doing. Even fifty million, you know, I, I know a small family business they do one hundred million in revenue. They only make three or four million dollars in profit, wow. six seven million, right? But it's a big business. But, but I don't think they have, to my knowledge, you know, regular meetings. But yeah, are they multi generational? Uh, that one business? was that one, and was. They, they're not having any kind of regular corporate governance meetings. Well, maybe they are now. I it was through a, an old firm I had with a partner, and mm -hmm. they had come to him with the problem of, hey, I'm doing more than this guy and he owns 50% type of the things. So I don't know whatever came of it. If but you would recommend that any, any firm of that size probably has a quarterly meeting, would you not? Yeah, has quarterly shareholder meetings. On the shareholder agenda, you address marketing, you address personnel, mm -hmm. you address you know products and services, you address finances, and then you bring up any issues that are pending, health issues, right? You know, governance issues, really right. that need to be addressed. Maybe things need to be updated. You also know most corporations, if you're a member of a corporation, nonprofit, for-profit, not a family, generally you're asked to sign a disclosure on an annual basis that say you don't have conflicts of interest with the company, that right. you know, you that you haven't taken on a lot of you know debt or something that's in conflict with the business that you know, nor your spouse. I mean, you know, there, there's things just like if you're on a board in a in your town, yeah, you have to sign disclosure agreements to show that you're not now. Families probably do that too. Absolutely. But now, there's a lot of trust. Let's clarify. So the shareholder meeting, that might be different than the family meeting. The family yes. meeting might be just family members 
who may or may not be shareholders? Well, the, the sh not necessarily. I would say that the the shareholder meeting would be people that own portions of the business. It Correct. might not all be family. Right, of course. Okay. Understood. Then there's a board of directors that might meet on a monthly basis, at right. least communicate through Zoom or whatever. Those are the yeah. officers that run the business. Those are the executives. And that's a right. smaller group, typically, almost all. Right. Right. Unless but there also may be structures in management mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with whether you're family or not, but you okay. have reporting and things like that because you have to have department meetings and those department meetings have to meet with the senior management, yep. Yep. not part of the board of directors, but part of it, you know, every day. So you may have multiple levels. So if you're the president of the company, you may be meeting with management. You may be meeting with your board. You may be right. meeting with your shareholders. Right. Maybe there is a family meeting that all the families involved, even though they're not involved in the business, but they own right. portions of the business that really have nothing to do with the other people that own the business that are not family, just key people that have been given ownership for some reason. That's a separate, separate. Yeah, but that all comes to the governance structure, right? How yeah. it's set up yeah. and, and the reporting, because a lot of that falls apart. I have a business right now that I was looking at with a couple of colleagues of mine that we were going to buy. We were raising capital, we had investors, and the business is a, I wouldn't even say what they do, but the owner is in his 90s. His, he has no children in the business anymore. He's looking to sell the business. Mm -hmm. They were at one point a 40 or $50 million business. Now they're like a $10 million business and it's going in the reverse direction. But he's been taking a lot out for himself and his family right. on a regular basis. So there were all kinds of issues. If you look at the things that you need to do to position your business to sell, they hadn't done really any of them. Oh boy. And, and we couldn't really get through the issues to find value there. But, you know, you would talk to the guy who runs the purchasing division and say, well, you know, why is this and this? Well, Sometimes I don't want to buy X and they go to the boss and he does it anyway. You know, there's all that kind of stuff going on. There was no governance structure. I asked them for a uh, an org chart and they gave me this thing. I looked through it. It was really a flow chart of business. Like if, if an order comes through the door, it goes this person, that person. I said, this is not an organizational chart. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, so a lot of that stuff, but it had to do with originally it was a small business. He had a partner, not his family. He had a partner. The partner died 15, 20 years ago. The business has enough momentum to pay his bills and to feed the employees and whatever. It's petering out. And there, there's nothing in place that really effectively ran the place properly. Old systems. Yeah. You know. Well, I guess as we start to wrap this up, it certainly, uh, you know, there's a story to be told here, which is um, those who don't plan. Um, you know, what's the old expression, plan to fail. I mean, things will go in, uh, in the direction of entropy where everything starts to fall apart if you don't have these things in place. And, and yet I think we've gotten a preview listening to you, the complexity of trying to think of everything in advance. Because it's impossible just, to think of everything in advance. Yeah, so you have much. to do it on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So and, and I, you know, a takeaway is that life does not happen in a straight line. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the person who seems to have, even the person who seems to have it all, it's always work, you know, they're successful. They've had their bumps and bruises along the way because this life doesn't happen that way. We, It's part of being alive, right? Because yeah. you have challenges and health challenges and financial challenges, economic things that people are going through in the last year and a half that they have no control over, never anticipated that their whole restaurant industry would be shut down for you know, eight or 10 months. So there's things that go on all the time. So if you don't put these mechanisms in place 
They don't have to be something you have to stay up at night thinking about on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. but you need to just put them in place where, you know, on your calendar in the next quarter, we're going to take a look at things and make sure they, and maybe annually update things. It's got to be a process that you don't think about. You don't worry about it. You don't, right. What do we do now? You you never want to say that to yourself. Like, what do we do now? Right. If you had done some of the planning and put the processing in place, you know what you're going to do now. Maybe they're calling you. Maybe they're calling me. But we say, hey, don't you remember that conversation we had six months ago? We have stuff in place. Let's pull them out, see what the agreements say. Let's work through this. It won't be perfect. It won't be easy. It'll still be difficult, but it'll be a lot less difficult than without it. There you go. All right, Mitch, closing up. uh, You have a podcast, I understand. I do have a podcast. Accidental Entrepreneur. Yes, I do, because a lot of people do things by accident, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. Like Michael Gerber said, you know, it was a small business uh, by default, but not by design. Um, Give us uh, the elevator pitch on the accidental tourist. uh, Entrepreneur, sorry. Yeah, that's actually (laughs) what made me think of it, that old movie with William Hurt. Um, I I interview um, business owners, some of them family businesses, some of them not, entrepreneurs, some Mm -hmm. authors, social media influencers around the world to really share their ideas, their experiences, their failures, their successes to help other people to get a hold of their business for people to say, oh, wow, if he can do it, I can do it. Or that's a good idea. Uh, And, you know, I'm always welcome to talk to people if they want to follow up and meet guests that have been on the show, let me know. Um, And, um, you know, that's really the... Just like your show, it's the goal is to just hopefully get people to not do things by accident, to do things by some intention. Fantastic. Well, I hope that uh, those listening today um, got some takeaways, got some thought. You know, we provoked some thought and uh, your contact information uh, will be available on the on the uh, website. But uh, give it to us real quick if you want to get a hold of you. Yeah, the website's bindhackerlaw.com. Right. Um, the uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere on LinkedIn and Facebook and all the social media platforms. Super. The Accidental Entrepreneur is available on most podcast directors. It doesn't have his own website, but I think it will by the end of this year. But it also has a, a LinkedIn account, a Facebook account. Um, so you're, I'm always looking to interact if you want to get in touch with me. Yeah, I'm always available. Free consultations, whatever you want to do. And you can always contact me to get a hold of Mitch, but it'll be on the website. Um, so this is a wrap. If you enjoyed this, uh, please share it with others. If you think it can be a value, um, please implement some of the ideas into your business. And if you have questions, uh, give one of us a call. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.